0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Mani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Mani. 1 Kings chapter 22. If you have a Bible, when we get to finish the, the book of 1 Kings today, And uh, I don't know, I'm praying about maybe going a little faster through the Old Testament, maybe a couple of chapters a week, but we'll see what the Lord does. Uh, Up to this point, it's been difficult for me. But we have a really cool chapter in front of us today. And you know, basically, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I really had no guidance. No one ever told me like, hey, this is your life. You know, do something with your life. You know, uh, kind of like looking at the big picture. You know, for me growing up, it was pretty much one day at a time. You know, one day I would go out and do my thing. I never really thought about the future, never thought about dying, never thought about heaven or hell. And I, and I kind of learned now that I'm a little older, just a little older, that, that life consists of uh, those decisions you make every day. And you put those days together and those days become weeks and weeks become months and years. And before you know it, your life is over. And, and, and what will I have done with my life? You know, you guys have heard that saying, it's only one life, soon it will pass, only what's done for Christ will last. Do you guys ever think about this? And I don't know exactly how it works, but um, you know, your life, I mean, think about it. What if you could read your life? You know, what if God allowed you to kind of go up there to wherever it is, they're, 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 they're holding the book about your life. And so you open up the book and you're reading, you're reading your life. Wow, this is what I did, this is what I said, this is who I am, and this is the synopsis of, of my life. You know, not to freak you out, but, but hopefully if you're reading the book, it's, it's a good story. You know, God has given us life for a reason. And I pray that we could live our life for His glory and His honor. You know, and there's, it's going to be a battle. The enemy's against you, the devil, the demons, the world, the flesh. It's a battle. But by the power of God and by the Spirit of God and by the Word, He teaches us how to live. You know, we can prevail. We can overcome. We can live a victorious Christian life. And then God will not only work in you, God will then begin to work through you. Do you have any friends that are hurting? Do you have any friends or relatives or neighbors that are lost? You know, God can use your life. And that's what we want, you know. And so we read about this guy Ahab today. He's going to die. We're going to read about Jehoshaphat. And there's a lot of lessons, I think, real practical things. Um, Because look what it says here in verse 1 of 1 Kings 22. It says, Now, Three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. And then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth in Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight? At Ramoth Gilead. Here we have the king of the southern kingdom, Judah. He's with the king of the northern part, Israel. Jehoshaphat is here and he's hanging out with this guy named Ahab. And you know, you might say, well, what's up with that? That doesn't make any sense. You know, what's this godly man? doing with this guy who's probably the worst king of all there in the northern kingdom. What had happened was Jehoshaphat had aligned himself to Ahab in marriage. You read it over in 2nd Chronicles chapter 18 verse 1. It says by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. And you know what we find there's a lesson here right off the bat. We're going to see how we need to be so careful, you know, not to compromise not to align ourselves. You know, I'm not saying you can't have friends that are not believers because you need to, you know, know non believers. But as far as getting your counsel from them, as far as, you know, your best friend, as far as the one that you're, you're yoked to, it uh, could be in marriage, it could be in ministry. You got to make sure that there are people that will lift you up, people that will edify you and, and not tear you down, not ruin your life, you know? I remember this one guy that was in our band. He was a pretty pretty clean guy. We all used to get high. We used to do drugs. This guy right here, he never did. So we would always offer him a joint. We would always offer him drugs. Is that a good friend? It's not, huh? So this guy would always say no until eventually what ended up happening is he said yes, bad influence, and next thing you know, he's dead. He overdosed. Why? Bad influence. You know, for us as Christians, we got to make sure that our influences are lifting us up and not tearing us down. Jehoshaphat here, he finds himself getting into trouble. And it's interesting, when you read his story, um, he compromised uh, with a bride. That is, uh, his son got married to a non-believer. He compromised with the boats. We're going to see that later when you know, he got into an alliance with the son of Ahab and This whole thing was a mess. And now he compromises in a battle. It's a battle that he should have never gotten involved with. If you remember earlier, watch, go back to chapter 20. Look at verse 34. It says, So Ben-Hadad said to him, The cities which my father took from your father I will restore, and you may set up marketplaces for yourself in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria." Remember? that What we find is the king made an alliance with the king of Syria. He said, I'll give you back the cities. But what had happened is he never followed through with his word. He never gave back the cities. For example, Ramoth Gilead. And so now here's the king of Israel saying, hey, that city belongs to us. I'm going to fight the king of Syria for it, Jehoshaphat. Will you align yourself with me in this battle? And so it's a double lesson in being unequally yoked. And I know you guys have heard this a million times, but you know, as we're going through the Bible, we just have to teach the lessons that are there. And this right here is a lesson in being unequally yoked. How we need to be careful about whom we marry you know, that person that you're interested in, are they really a believer? I mean, you don't want to play Russian roulette with marriage. Are they really, truly a believer? Because what ends up happening a lot of times is you meet somebody and they're pretty or they're handsome or whatever it may be. And you start, you know, you know, just kind of like giving them your heart. Next thing you know, you're in love. And it's almost like you can find yourself trapped in a relationship that was never, ever the will of God. That happens all the time. That's maybe what would happen with um, Jehoshaphat's son and Ahab's son, and daughter. You know, that may, maybe that's the way it happened. All I know is that they got married, they shouldn't have got married. And now here's Jehoshaphat, now it's not ministry uh, marriage, but it's ministry, and they're allied with an ungodly alliance. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Of course, the answer is none. What communion has light with darkness? There's no communion. What accord has Christ with Belial? Of course, there's none. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? The Bible says, for you are the temple of the living God. That's you. If you're a Christian, you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, they shall be my people, I will be their God. So God says, come out from among them and be separate. You see, the people of God are not to make covenants like this in marriage or ministry with non-believers. Non-believers. And so you guys, um, and I know a lot of you here are married. Some of you here are single. You know, and I, I know you might think, well, I'm never going to get married. I'm too old. No, you're not too old. You might meet somebody. And I'll tell you what, and I'll share this with you, because some of you even here, you're a little older. The devil will go fishing for you. And on that, on that hook, he's going to put a somebody that, that might be attractive to you To pull you away from the Lord. And I have seen this happen to what we might consider to be the best Christians. And so don't allow that to happen to you. This is going to be a lesson for us. We're going to see over and over again through life. The people of God. Don't make covenants like this in marriage or ministry with non-believers. We need to be careful. Even in friendships. How about your best friend? Is your best friend a Christian? Are they they giving you godly counsel? You know, um, we need to be so careful in all our relationships, knowing that, you know, even like a certain type of mingling can be damaging. There's a real interesting passage in uh, Psalm 106, verse 35. It says, But they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. So, you got to be careful. You know, I'm not saying you can't go out there and be a witness, but if they're the ones influencing you for the worse, then you got to go back and strengthen your relationship with God first. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits, right? Proverbs 12, 26, it says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully. You know, did you know you could choose your friends? You know what? I love this person. I love the way they love the Lord. God, you know, I want to be their friend. And you make those choices, right? But the way of the wicked leads them astray. We're going to see here, there's a lesson for us in that. You know, here we find Jehoshaphat, he's aligned with Ahab. Ahab wants to go to war, that's a big thing. Jehoshaphat kind of finds himself stuck in this whole thing. I guess I have to commit. And so we read here in verse 4, He said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight at Ramath Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Here it is, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. You see what happened here? Jehoshaphat found himself allied with Ahab Now, he not only gets himself involved, he gets the people of God involved. He gets the possessions of God involved. And what we find is this is not a good thing. And so we read in verse 5, something bad is then followed by kind of something good. It says, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about four hundred men, and said to them, Shall I go to Ramoth-Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here, that we may inquire of him? And So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man, Mechaia, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. (laughs) I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. So what are we learning tonight? Well, we're learning, number one, don't make covenants in marriage or ministry with non-believers. But then we're learning a second thing I think that we're learning is that when we're making these decisions, we need to inquire of the Lord. We need to seek the Lord. We need to ask God for his will. Jehoshaphat was wrong in his alliance with Ahab, but he was right in wanting counsel from the Lord. You know, right here, it's interesting. Look again um, at verse 5. Joshua said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Now that word Lord is all capital letters. It should be in most Bibles. And that's the Hebrew covenant name. It's, uh, it's, in the Hebrew, it's the Tetragrammatron. We don't know for sure how to pronounce it. It could be uh, Yahweh or Yahweh. It's not Jehovah because there's no J sound in Hebrew, but it's God's personal name. And so he is the one God, the living God. There is no other God. And he said, we need to inquire of Yahweh. We need to ask him what his will is. So what ends up happening is all these other prophets come. There's 400 of them. We don't know for sure you know, who they are. Uh, we know that the prophets of Baal had been slain. Who knows? Maybe they were replaced. Maybe they're the prophets of Ashtoreth or the calf. I don't know, but we know that they're false prophets. And so, look, it says in verse 6 at the end, it says, so they said, go up for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, see how that word Lord is not all caps? Capital L, but not O-R-D. That means it's a different Hebrew word. It's the word Adonai. Now, that can be more of a generic title. It could be, you know, Adonai Baal, or Adonai Ashtoreth. It was kind of like the... Like today, you guys, uh, God. You hear that a lot, right? God. But you kind of don't know which God they're talking about a lot of times. But when you say Jesus, okay, now you're getting specific, right? That's kind of what we see right here. Jehoshaphat says, I want to I seek Yahweh. I, I, I want to inquire of Him. Is there a word from Him? And they start getting these prophets that are, you know, false prophets, they're not the living God. And I, and I just think it's so important for us, you guys, to, to really want that in our life. You know, we're making decisions, okay? What does the Lord say? What does the Lord say? Well, this is what I want to do. It, you know what? It doesn't even really matter what you want to do. What does the Lord Say, And you want to get a word from the Lord. You, know, you want to be in the word. And, and so I think the bigger the decision, the more clear you have to hear God's voice. You know, Jehoshaphat is in that place. And I pray that we would always be in that place, you guys. I know for me, it's always the Lord speaking to me through His word. And He makes it clear, and He makes it personal, and He makes it Powerful especially in the big decisions. Don't you know that God loves you, that God is a personal God? You know, for all you guys who come to Calvary Chapel, haven't you heard it many times, we have a personal relationship with the Lord, right? So doesn't that mean that you walk with Him, you talk to Him, He talks to you, you fellowship with Him, and you want to hear the word of the Lord? You know, regarding those decisions that you're making. You know, and of course, he speaks to us through his word. There are things that we call principles and precepts that are so clear. Uh, The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Psalm 119, verse 24, your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. See, the Word of God is like a a light in the darkness, so now you know where to walk. The Word of God is your counselor. And isn't it so cool when you have a real solid counselor? I'm telling you this, the more you know the Word of God, the more you will know the will of God, the more you will know the ways of God. And so you search the Scriptures, you inquire of the Lord. You know, we're not always sure if our interpretation is right and so, you know, thank God for those people who are like prophets, kind of, of God. You know, not, you know, authoritative over the word, but they'll give you the word. Good students of the word and sensitive to the spirit. And they, and they, and you, God just begins to use them in your life. You see, this is what Jehoshaphat is looking for. And this is what we should look for. And so he said, hey, is there anybody like that? Uh, Ahab, you got anybody who, you know, give me the word of Yahweh? And Ahab says, I know one guy, but I hate him. (laughs) You know, I hate him, you know, because he always says bad things about me. And, and, you know, um, another thing that I think we learn as we go through life, you know, Ahab knows this prophet, he hates him because he doesn't tell him the things that he wants to hear. You know, those are some pretty strong words. They hated Micaiah and they will hate us. They will hate us, right? If we tell them the truth, not necessarily what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And it's so sad. You know, I'll share this with you guys and I think we all kind of have been there, where you get rebuked or you get corrected and you get offended by it. And the next thing you know, your reasoning processes are now malfunctioning. You needed to be rebuked. You needed to be corrected. But you just don't like that. It's just a a lot of times it's a pride issue. You know, I'm learning in life, even though I'm older, that I have so much to learn. You know, um, the world that we live in, you know, we try to tell them the word of God, the will of God... That God is, is he loves the, the homosexual, but homosexuality is a sin that will separate you from God forever. It's just the truth. That's all it is. It's not my opinion. It's God's word. But they hate us for that. Because now in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, it says they call good evil and evil good, right? And so, if they hate you, not because you're being obnoxious, but because you're being truthful, it's okay, you know, you're in good company. Uh, Jesus said they will hate you. In John chapter 15, verse 19, he says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, he said, the world hates you. See, Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 7, as he's speaking to his brothers who were not saved at the time, he said, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Why? Because I testify of it that its works are evil. And so John wrote in 1 John 3, verse 13, do not marvel, don't trip out, in other words, if the world hates you. And that's okay, you guys. Ahab says, I hate this guy, Micaiah, and, um, That should have probably been more than a red flag. It should have been like a black flag for Jehoshaphat. But all he says to him is, Ah, you shouldn't say that. Right? There in the end of verse 8, Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. And so they bring him out in verse 9. The king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, they sat each on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenana, how do you say that? Chanaana, there you go, had made horns of iron for himself. Can you picture that? And he, and he said, thus says the Lord. And now he's using the Lord's name. Okay, he wasn't before <laughs> But now he is, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak encouragement. And Micah Ias said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And it's so cool going through the Bible because you learn things that you need to learn. You learn about not being unequally yoked. So important, right? Uh, you learn about how, you know, as you go through life, God wants us to inquire of Him. God wants us to, you know, to hear His voice as we make decisions. You know, we learn as we go through the Bible today that, you know, when we're called upon to teach the Word, that they might hate us for that. But I want to encourage you today, do not compromise. Do not water it down. You know, I don't know if some of you here were a Sunday night and uh, uh, a guy got mad at me. You know, basically he says, I'm judging others because you know we're saying that christianity is the only way you know and i don't think he liked me very much um but you know i was just trying to tell him hey you know thank god that he made a way jesus is the only way he said i'm the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me not a popular message just like right here hey you know everybody's saying this whatever you do don't Go against the majority. And he just said, You know what? I love, don't you love verse 14, you guys? As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Don't you love that? You are not concerned with what they will say. It doesn't matter. You are not concerned. You're not gonna and I and I tell you know, different people, I'm not gonna stand before you when I die. I'm gonna stand before God. When I die, it doesn't really matter what they say. I hope they know I love them. I hope they know that because I do. But I am more concerned with what God will say. And we have to have that in our heart. As the Lord lives, I'm just going to say what God wants me to say. And that's what Micaiah goes in this whole thing. You know, it's in the meantime, all the false prophets are lying to the leaders. They're now using the name of the Lord, but they're not sent by the Lord. As they're escorting Micaiah to the king, they basically tell him, you know, don't say anything contrary, discouraging to the king. Uh, They weren't interested in hearing the truth from God. All they cared about was false unity linked to lies. But I just love what Micaiah said. And this is the heart of God's faithful prophets. This is the heart of the Lord. You know, Jeremiah 26, verse 2, it says, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command you to speak to them, do not diminish a word. You know, and sometimes, and it's okay, I understand, people, they want, you know, a shorter sermon. You know, you know I mean, come on, 45 minutes? And then you go to the movies for how long? You know, oh, this is a three-hour movie. It was great. You know, and all I'm saying is like, man, don't, no, don't diminish the word. You know, Dr. Duffield used to say, sermonettes are for Christianettes, you know? Give me a long Bible study, right? Chuck Smith, man, they used to go for an hour and a half, right? And you're like, well, you're no Chuck Smith. I understand that. I know that. (laughs) All I'm saying is that when you develop an appetite, it's all about your appetite. It's all about your appetite. I was talking to one of the brothers today, and we're having a cup of coffee, and there's no sugar. There's no sugar. All there was was honey, because I like to put honey in my coffee. And he's all, dude, you're trying to convert me. I'm all, no, bro, I honestly, I didn't know. And then we just started talking, and we were just like, well, you know what? Though, in all reality, the sugar's not good for you. The honey is... And all it takes is just a little bit of time to develop an appetite for that which is good for you. And that's the way it is in life. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. When you start getting into the Word, you know, and you start hungering for the Word, rather than all those other things, I don't need all the lights and fans, I don't need all the videos, I don't need all that kind of entertainment, I just want the Word. Then it's cool because you develop an appetite for that. And that's what God wants his prophets to give to the people. Just give them the word. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 6, And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse For they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And so the prophet's to eat God's word and then to give it out. You take it in and give it out. And so that's what Micaiah says he's going to do. And so we read in verse 15, And then he came to the king, and the king said to Micaiah, Shall we go to war against Ramath Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he answered him, and he more than likely said this in a sarcastic tone, Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. So the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And then he said, and he has two visions. Okay, here's the first vision. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. And here's the second vision. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, And all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. And then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, In what way? And so he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, "You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so." Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. It's kind of like, you know, when you tell someone, you know, you're you're going to go to hell unless you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you're like, ouch, that's, that's pretty blunt. That's kind of what Micaiah is saying. I got a couple of visions. This is what's going to happen, and this is how it's going to happen. Now, one thing I've learned about the Lord is this, that he always gives opportunity for repentance. It's not like sealed. Usually, man, God will say, hey, this is what you're, you're heading for. This is what's ahead of you. Will you change? Will you repent? Will you get right with the Lord? You know, he says, first of all, I, I saw on the mountaintop, you know, a whole bunch of sheep. And they, and they were just going like in all these different directions. They were scattered because their shepherd was no more. And then you're like, well, how could that happen? Now, I know what that means. King Ahab's all upset. I told you, told you he was going to say something bad about me. He's saying I'm going to die. Yeah, he's warning you, dude. You are going to die. Unless you get your life right. Instead of just saying, oh, okay. <laughs> he just gets upset about it. And then he gives him you know, the whole thing about how it happened. And it's interesting. He opens the curtain, that cosmic curtain... And he goes up, and the, who's sitting on the throne? The Lord's sitting on the throne. The Lord is on the throne. Did you guys know that? He hasn't left his throne. He's on his throne, and he's going to have his way. And he says, well, how are we going to make this happen? How is this going to happen? And so one spirit says this, and one spirit says that. And of course, we know that even the demonic spirits are under the sovereignty of God. Even they report to God. Remember Job chapter 1? The devil went and reported before God. God said, where have you been? Satan? And he said, I've been cruising up and down the earth. Remember? And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? And you guys know the whole story, right? All we're saying is that even those demonic spirits are under the sovereignty of God. And so he says, you know what? I can fool him. I'll go down and I'll lie to King Ahab. And I'll tell him that he's right, that he's going to win when really he's wrong and he's going to lose. And God says, okay, you have the permission to go. And what we find in life as you throw back the curtains and you look at how this happens is that God is not promoting the lies, but he's allowing the lies How God doesn't author the lie, but He allows it. And and here's the thing, okay? Look at this story right here. These, These prophets are lying. Who's telling the truth? Micaiah is. Under the influence of the Lord, he's telling the truth, right? And the prophets are the ones lying. And so in this whole thing, it's just a crazy thing. That's why you have to test every word. They're a prophet. They say they're a prophet. They look so good. They sound so good. They are not good. They're lying to you. But the Lord, uh, sometimes, you know, we see He allows these things. Why, in this case, it's interesting. Look at the end of verse 23. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. Wake up. Wake up. we got to wake up and we got to walk in the truth, right? You know, some might look at this and they say, well, I don't understand how this can happen. I like what Norman Geisler said. He said, God, for his own purposes of justice, allowed Ahab to be deceived by evil spirits whom he knew in his omniscience would be used to accomplish his sovereign And goodwill. And so we read, look what it says in verse 24. Now, Zedekiah, the son of uh, Chanaana, he went near and he struck Micaiah on the cheek. And he said, Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. And so the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah, return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. But Micaiah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, take heed, all you people. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. And I know there's a lot here, and I know we're going kind of fast, but are you guys following so far? Some of you are, yeah, some of you are like, I am just thinking about in and out right now, man. <laughs> Shame on you. You know, I, I love the narratives, just going through the studies here. You know, Ahab says, you know, put him in prison, feed him bread and water. When I come back, he'll see that he was wrong. And Micaiah says, you're not coming back. You're not coming back, you're a dead man. You're a dead man. And you, if, if you come back, the Lord has never spoken through me, Right? And so what ends up happening is they go up to battle, they go to Ramoth-Gilead, and here's the crazy thing. Okay, you got the two kings, and, uh, and King Ahab says, I'm going to disguise myself. And he tells Jehoshaphat, isn't this funny? He tells Jehoshaphat, you wear your kingly attire. What's he saying? He's just basically saying straight out, I want you to die. <laughs> this, is the, this is the whole plan of the enemy. This is a whole plan of the devil. I want you to die. That way, my daughter will be like a Jezebel in the southern kingdom who is married to your son. It's all part of the devil's plan that a lot of times we don't see. A lot of times it's very subtle. Sometimes it's very obvious. But the thief has succumbed to steal and kill and destroy and so anyways, you know, you know Ahab, he's all disguised and Jehoshaphat's in his kingly attire. And I don't know why he agreed to it, but for whatever reason he did. And we read in verse 31, Now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots, saying, Fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. And so it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel." Therefore, they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. See, the whole plan of the Syrians was, that we just got to get the king, smite the shepherd, scatter the sheep. Right? The devil knows that. And so when they did, and they're after him, and you read it also in Second Chronicles, um, what happens is Jehoshaphat cries out to the Lord. He prays, and God spares him. Right? This is in verse 33 and it happened when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel that they turned back from pursuing him and I love this in verse 34 now a certain man he drew a, bro, a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor I mean some guy you don't even he's probably drunk or something just kind of like you know shoots an arrow wherever and it God God guides that arrow in between the armor of King Ahab, right? Boom, and God gets him. And so what ends up happening in verse 34, a certain man that drew that bow struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. And so he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle for I'm wounded. And the battle increased that day and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians and died at evening. He's propped up, why? Because, you know, he's pretending like he's alive so that the soldiers will keep fighting, but man, he's about to die, right? And then it says, the blood ran out from the wound onto the floor of the chariot. And then as the sun was going down, a shout went throughout the army, saying every man to his city and every man to his own country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria. see, the king didn't have to die. You know, those things in your life, and I don't know what the calling is on your life, they don't have to die. All we have to do is get our life right with the Lord. Listen to the rebukes of life. Welcome them. Embrace them. Be willing to be corrected. I know some people, and I know, I know them, they think they're never wrong. They're never, ever even a sliver Wrong, And God is just saying, if only you'd open up to the fact that you're wrong every once in a while, then you'd be able to be kind of corrected and you won't have to die. That won't have to die. But Ahab died. Why? Because he wouldn't listen. And so we read right here, it says in verse 37, the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried the king in Samaria and then... Someone washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria, and the dog lipped up his blood, while the harlots bathed according to the word of the Lord which he had spoken. Three times, it's interesting, three times God warned Ahab he was going to die. You know, one time it was a random prophet, other time it was Elijah. Here we see it was Micaiah. God gives warnings, right? We've got to listen, right? And so the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, the ivory house which he built, I bet you didn't mean much now, and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And so Ahab rested with his fathers, and then Ahaziah his son reigned in his place. Now if you remember going through Kings, because we've been studying Ahab's life for a while, they go to the northern kingdom, southern kingdom, just north they go back and forth. Here we read in verse 41 about Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. And Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi, and he walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn aside from them, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. See, and this is what I'm talking about, you guys, so we're going to close right here. Just when our life is summarized, when our life is summarized, what will the Lord say? You know, when, when my children, and who knows, it's supposed to be this way, but when I die, if the Lord tarries, and my children give me a eulogy, what will they say? What will the truth be about me? And we read about Ahab, and it's not a pretty story. We read about Jehoshaphat now, and it's and it's good. It's not perfect because no one is, but it is proper. And it's just so beautiful to see this guy, and this is what I want the Lord to say about me. You know, there there were some 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 flaws, nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered sacrifices and burnt incense in the high places, and those high places They burned incense to the Lord. It wasn't false gods, but still they were supposed to burn incense only at the temple. It says also, Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. Now we just read about that, huh? Not a good thing. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, the might that he showed and how he made war, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? When we get into uh, Chronicles, we're going to see four chapters on his life. He was an awesome guy. The rest of the perverted persons who remained in the days of his father Asa, he banished from the land. He cleaned house. There was no king in Edom, only a deputy of the king. Jehoshaphat made merchant ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they never sailed, for the ships were wrecked at Azean-Geber. And then Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat Would not. Now, remember I told you earlier, Jehoshaphat compromised in three areas. The area of a bride for his son, the area of the boats. Here's one of those. That's what we're reading about right now when all the boats went bad because he made a covenant with Ahaziah, the son of Ahab. When they finally got messed up, he didn't make it the second time. He learned. And then the covenant of the battle. And so we read in verse 50, And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father, Then Jehoram his son reigned in his place. So were we're in Israel, we went to Judah, now we go back to Israel, it says in verse 51, Ahaziah the son of Ahab became king over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. Now here's his summary. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And a lot of times we're like, well, they don't see. He doesn't see. Oh, God sees. God sees the wickedness of our hearts. Is your heart right in the sight of the Lord? You know, I thank God you guys are here uh, today. But man, if there's any area that's not surrendered, completely surrendered, you know, God sees. Now, for those of us that are cleansed in Christ, what a beautiful promise to know that he's washed us in his blood, he's made us as white as snow. But man, this is a scary synopsis that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the way of his father, which is always a a message to fathers, right? And in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. And so I always, whenever I read that, I don't know about you, but if you're a dad, you're like, okay, my kids are probably going to uh, be heavily influenced by what I do, not just what I say. And so we want to be good examples to our kids. But man, the Lord gives summaries of our life I pray that we would be really concerned about that. And I pray, you know, that everyone here, you guys, that we would be fully yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, I'll close with one story I read earlier about, uh, I guess there was this gift um, a father saw in a a toy store, and uh, it was kind of an educational toy. And what it was was this toy, you purchase it, And you're supposed to put all the pieces together, but for whatever reason, it's designed so that it's not complete. And so you've got all these pieces, you're supposed to put them together, but it's not complete. Have you guys ever done that? You're like, hey, there's something missing here. (laughs) Usually it's because we're not doing things right. But anyways, this one was designed for that. And the owner of the toy store said it's a lesson for the kids to tell them that life, it never works out. It never works out. And then I was, I, I, was, I was reading it. I like what it said in the bottom. I said, but when you put Jesus in, it always works out. It always works out. And that's, that's, he's the one, you guys. We just celebrated him on Christmas that he came. And I pray that you would know it's not a program. It's not a religion. It's not a, it's not a, a denomination. It's, it's Jesus. You guys, let's, let's know him. Let's love him. Let's worship him. As a matter of fact, we're going to close in communion tonight. And I pray um, that as we worship, as they pass out the bread and the cup, you hold on to those who will have communion together, that we would thank the Lord. Our, our lives are, there's a lot of different things going on here tonight. And I could talk to each one of you, and it would be cool, and you can tell me what the Lord's doing and what the devil's doing. You can tell me about some of the struggles you're having or whatever is going on in your life. And and then but for all of us here, even though those things are all so different, the answer for all these things is the same. It's Jesus. Jesus. And so let's look to him tonight. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to study your word,